Welcome. To Arcade Audio. Welcome to this week's episode of Married with Movies. I'm one of your hosts, Samantha Mullet. Sitting next to me on the couch is your other host, my beautiful husband, Chris Mullet. That smell is so overpowering that you can barely talk in it, right? No, I was going to make a joke about how the couch is really creaky, but I don't think I could have said sitting next to me on the creaky couch is... I I, I love that Hanna, I love that Hanna-Barbera cartoon back in the day, the creaky couch. It's like a, like a scary talking couch. Wait, guys, I'm the creaky couch! Um, Are you doing like the... The peewee chair? That's Cherry. Cherry's not creepy. Cherry's yeah. pretty creepy, dude. It's his lashes. Um, I was go- <laughs> my joke. My joke. My joke was going to be uh, we're actually recording this in a fucking bed, uh, bath, and body works. Ah, uh, yes. Because of how strong the lotion just put on. Mm. Um, Maybe that- you need to just sit and like. No, this doesn't stress me out. This doesn't de-stress me as the quote-unquote lotion is supposed to do. This just makes me be like. What the fuck is that smell? What's wrong? What's going on? I think that you're too high strung. Well, I'm high strung because today is 11-11. Um, was when we were recording this. Is that why you've been in a bad mood all day? No, I wasn't in a bad mood until I took Jillian to her dumbass gymnastics class. And I hate her gymnastics class. You were in a bad mood a lot of the day. No, I wasn't. Just when you came around. Cool. <laughs> That's been all for this week's episode of Mary. No, because every time you came around, you were like bothering me. I... So if you're new, if you're new here, if you're new here, if you're new here, we talk about movies in our lives, and this is me talking about my life. I, I had the day off from work today. It was Veterans Day. Thank you to all of our veterans who who served. You had to work, so I was having a nice, relaxing day. I took Jillian to school. I went to the chiropractor. I got a haircut, and I came back, and I watched the next pay per view in my retro wrestling diary, arcadeaudio.net slash podbloggle. And I was looking for some notes I had taken, and I believe what happened was I either ripped them out of the book that I had and threw them away, okay. or I kept them in the previous book. And when you came sure. down to get whatever snack or bullshit, but you were like just kept suggesting things or asking things that weren't helpful, and you were being condescending because you were like, "Oh, is it in your poop report? What, what poop report is that? What happened to the poop report? Poop report, poop report, poop report?" Because you know it irritates me on purpose. No. Yeah, you have a shit-eating grin all over your face. So then you scampered back upstairs to your little fucking hole. And then... It's not my fault I actually have to work. And then when I was done, I went and got Jillian. And when I came back from her gymnastics class, which if I didn't already say it on the record, I hate, I uh, was in a bad mood because she was fine, but she doesn't necessarily exert much effort in certain things. And... She's your kid. How? Dare you curl your lips to say she's my kid when it concerns effort and something athletic or coordinated? Because that is 100% you. And I know that you did gymnastics when you were a kid, but that was probably a short stint. 
Yeah, because the table fell on my foot. I almost broke my foot. For fuck's sake. This is not helping. Give me some of that lotion. Oh. No, yeah. no, no. I'm fucking kidding. Don't even fucking oh, put it. No. No, I'm going to slap it out of your hands. It's on your elbows. Is that a glass jar? Yes. You should what the put- fuck lotion in a glass jar for? Be- because it, it feels different. Here. That's a bunch of horseshit. It, it it's just like, what's the difference between drinking beer out of a can and out of a glass bottle? They taste different. No, they taste different. They, taste, no, the they, taste, different. they, taste, the they taste different. What's the difference? Tell me. Uh, feel this lotion no, and then I, you'll know. No. You'll intuitively if, know. If put it squirt, on your elbow. If you squirt this lotion on me, put it on your I elbows. might sock you in the jaw and the show will be over forever. <laughs> Is that all it's going to take? I don't want to do this show. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I actually love it. This is like the highlight of my week. It really is. Please. I am being genuine. And I know that we just talked about how you think I'm disingenuous every time I talk to you. No, I didn't say every time. I just meant earlier today. That was all. Get that glass lotion away from me. And don't get it on my brand new beautiful Bush Gardens tank top. Hey, we went to Bush Gardens last weekend. Uh, We finally got rid of tickets we've had for about two years. Yeah. Thanks, COVID. Yeah, thanks a lot, COVID. I mean, um, to buy a ticket for Jillian. Yeah, that's how we, long we've had these tickets. We we intended to go the three of us when she was. She was small already three, so she like she would technically have to pay a ticket, but, but like, like you, she was small enough. Yeah, she could pass for being under three, but now it's like, well, she's almost fucking five, and she's huge. So uh, we had a great time. Uh, Jillian did her first. Uh, two real roller coasters. Yeah. She, uh, she loved both of them. She mm-hmm. did her first, like, loop after waiting fucking 45 minutes for it. Um, she was so excited. She did her first excited. rapids ride. We did so twice. Excited. Chattering her teeth the whole time because of how cold it was. But she didn't want to stop. Yeah. And we had a, a nice family visit the next day. Um, so, yeah, we, we had a very nice weekend this past weekend. And when we're recording this, the next weekend's coming up. We're, cel- we're starting to celebrate Jillian's birthday, which has now turned into like a two-week affair. Um, well, that's what happens when your birthday's around the holidays. Not her fault. Well, but also we have like, she has like kid friends and we have friends who have kids. So we're like, we can't mix that up with like your 88-year-old grandmother. I mean, we could. And my 72-year-old mother. We and could. No, I, if I had to make a list of the top five things I don't want to experience in my life, definitively... One of those things would be going to a Dave and Buster's slash Chuck Eats Cheese with my mother and your grandmother. That sounds like the antithesis of those establishments. No, I think that'd be a lot of fun. That sounds... We would own the whole place. I would rather be an Olympian <laughs> in Israel <laughs> than do that. That is so offensive. It's not offensive. It's offensive to me. It's a fact for me right now that I would rather be in this movie than do either one of those things. Oh my, I cannot believe you just said that. What is wrong with you? I'm just shooting from the hip here. I'm just being, I'm being honest. So we're not doing that with them. We are going to go to like a hibachi restaurant. And maybe go see some fucking alligators. And, and no, hope, we're going to go to the circus. And hopefully. Oh, we are going to do that now? I don't know, maybe. Jesus Christ. Can we just figure the fuck out what the fuck we're doing? By the time you're hearing this, well, hopefully we've made plans. It's tomorrow from when you're hearing this. <laughs> what? I just, uh, I don't know. I'm laughing at you. I'm a funny person. Why did sure. you, somebody cut off 
who the fuck used my proof of purchase <laughs> on this Munich DVD? So I've, I've literally owned this movie for 15 years. I bought this like, after it came out. I don't know why the proof of purchase is gone. I've never done like anything like that in my entire life. I know when, when I was a kid, my mother used to do that for like cereal boxes and... Uh, the box top things, which box is now tops. you scan them. Yeah, but like also like you do the thing like, oh, send in like your proof of purchase for two things and you get like a free reward or something sure. like, you know. But like I've never fucking done that. And what would it even fucking be for a movie? Like Munich. What, what, what proof of purchase giveaways? We'll never Please get know. Some, get some fucking latkes or something? What the fuck is this? Um, well, this is our third movie in our Pick 'em Off series. We've been listening to the show for quite some time. You know, we have many different gimmicks, one of which is we alternate nominating movies back and forth. When one movie is not selected, it goes on a list that we cannot pick. And we cannot watch until it comes out of our random box. Or now. That list got pretty lengthy. So we're now starting to get rid of, uh, lower that list as well. Even though we're just adding right onto it. So it's going to be a consistent, consistent series. Because those movies are something we, at one point, really, really wanted to watch. And the random box is the random box. So we are now picking them off uh, from a random number draw, which we'll do again at the end of the show. It'll be, our, I believe, one of our first, if not our first, actual movie re- we review in 2022. Because the, the rest of our schedule is pretty... Uh, pretty. Oh, my God. I will, I will mention now, before I read the back of the box, I believe it is my turn to read. No, it's your, no it is my turn, because you read Fifth Element. I read Fifth Element. Um, be thinking of your birthday movie. So your birthday movie is about a month away. And also be thinking about what Christmas movie we wanted to do. That I'm kind of waiting for. You get your birthday movie and Hanukkah together. Um, Our Hanukkah movie is... No, our Hanukkah movie is all the President's Men. It's got Dustin Hoffman. It's perfect. Um, But hold off. We'll hold off on the Christmas movie. I have a couple of ideas because it depends on what our next guest stars are picking. We need to follow up with that as well. Mm -hmm. both, Both ones they've kind of mentioned are Christmas movies. And we'll kind of go from there. So depending on which one we do with them, we may like change. I don't want to do like two family movies or two comedies or two whatever. Okay. Like try to do That's switch. That's fine. Out. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out when it gets there. But for now, Munich is today's movie. Academy Award nominations for Best Picture. Uh, five of them. Uh, this is all out of order. This doesn't count. That doesn't fucking count. Do you want me to start over? No, no, you're Five good. Academy Award nominations for 2015, including Best Picture. A Steven Spielberg film, Munich. Widescreen. I have to do every fucking thing on the front of the box. No, you're the one who did it. Steven Spielberg's boldest feat yet, a masterpiece, says time. Inspired by real events, Munich reveals the intense story of the secret Israeli squad assigned to track down and assassinate the 11 Palestinians believed to have planned the 1972 Munich Massacre of 11 Israeli athletes. And the personal toll the mission takes... Ah, fuck. What the fuck am I even talking about? That's not even words that are there. (laughs) That's one. And the personal toll this mission of revenge takes... I had temporary dyslexia. (laughs) On the team and the man who led it. Hailed as, quote, tremendously exciting, says Peter Travers, Rolling Stone, Steven Spielberg's explosive suspense thriller garnered five Academy Award nominations, including Best Picture and Best Director. Woo! For me, so I believe that ties us back up. I do believe. After you said Luke Besson, like it was Wesson Oil. What's the t- what's the numbers at? We're go- we're playing oh, at twenty five in I our put, reading challenge. I put this in the wrong spot. Hang on. Oh great! So I can't even trust your. No, you can't. I just put it in the. I put it under me instead of you. 
Huh? I, I just had it in the wrong column. That's all. Um, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You have nine, and I've got one, two, three, four, nine, five, six, seven. I have ten, actually. Oh, beautiful. So I'm up one. So you are up one. Very good, very good. Uh, so, have you ever seen this before? N- no. So No, I think I've talked about it on the show. I have purposefully, <laughs> purposefully avoid avoided like these types of movies. I talked about it when we watched uh, Schindler's List. You had seen Schindler's List before. I had never seen Schindler's List. You had never seen, isn't no. that like a rite of passage, I feel like? I've never. I watched Schindler's List in school. No, I didn't. No, I went to school in a mostly Jewish area. They didn't make us watch Schindler's List. Fair. <laughs> Very fair. Yeah, so no. Um, never saw Schindler's List. I haven't seen like Boy in the Striped Pajamas. Never seen like Sophie's Choice. Like I've never seen any of those movies. Um, I purposely avoid them because they make me very, very emotional. Well, I'm a piece of shit and who introspective. Likes these movies because yeah. they're normally well done and they're treated with. Not saying that respect. that's not the case. Yeah. But the subject matter is really painful to have to sit through. Uh, saw this in theaters. And this was the, uh, this came out in 2005 when we were freshmen in college. So I had my movie buddy, Tony Colt, which I sh- reminds me I need to put together that uh, Patreon bonus episode uh, where Tony and I go over the movies we watched with one another oh, yeah, around yeah, this yeah. time period. This was the first year that I'd seen, I saw all, at the time, five. God, it was so easy back in the day. Mm-hmm. All five Best Picture nominees and, in theaters. And did you see all of them with Tony? Uh, no, I saw, so the, the the five movies were, of course, this, Munich. Actually, I can get the book right here. Fucking hell. Here's a preview for the Patreon. Uh, when I, one of my poop reports that you yelled at me about today. I wasn't yelling. I was concerned that you had lost one of your poop reports. So in 2005, I saw uh, Munich with... It had to have been Tony. Oh, I probably saw it in 2006. Yeah, I saw it in 2006. Oh, no, I saw it with Keaton and Matt Levin. But I didn't actually see it, so it must have been a... You had this poster, though, in the cockpit. I did. You had a big Munich poster in the cockpit. Um, So I must have saw that. Oh, I can tell right here. Gardens. What the fuck? Gardens. I also put what theaters I saw them in as well. I don't think I mentioned that in the Patreon episode. No, so, you did. I did. Oh, so that I must have been, that. I'm guessing that was like Palm Beach Gardens or something. Oh, yeah, it was. It was over Christmas break. We were in Got like it. Stewart, West Palm area. Uh, good Night and Good Luck I saw with Tony. With Tony. Of course, That's naturally. That's a very Tony movie. That's a very Tony movie, uh, which we've done on the podcast. Capote, which I saw with Tony. Um, Brokeback Mountain, which I saw with uh, with Chris Gutierrez and Leanne Campbell. I don't know why that was Weird. a thing. And then Crash, I saw actually when it came out with my parents. <laughs> Did you sit in between? Them? Absolutely, probably. So, um, so it was the first time I'd seen all five best uh, picture movies in theaters. Oh, that's interesting that these were the five movies. Yeah, it was a very... Hmm. I mean, really... It, so, I thought this was a good year for movies. I, I We talked I about it on so. the show. I think so. I am a crash apologist. I still think that it is good. I, I just think it... it we You can go and listen to the episode. Yeah. It, we, we, we did the episode... And yeah, Brokeback for me is overrated. Never seen it. Uh, good night and good luck. We did for the podcast. Yeah, of course, never I love. Seen it. No, and just then, um, and <laughs> then Capote. Don't even listen to me. I heard you, it. Oh. And then Capote, uh, I also love as well. This one, I think, was the one I've seen. I've only seen Brokeback the the one time I saw it in theaters, 
And then this, I, this is probably like the third time I'd seen this movie. I saw it in theaters. I bought it because I enjoyed it so much and watched it when I got it. And then I think I've only seen it now the third time. Um, I mean, it's a big historical drama thriller directed by our greatest living director for movies like that, Steven Spielberg. Mm -hmm. Um, What did you think? Um, My first note was, great, I'll be sad and sobbing on another podcast. My second (laughs) note was, don't fuck with the Jews. Um, This movie is perhaps most famous nowadays for being the impetus in the movie Knocked Up for <laughs> for Seth Rogen and his crew to like get drunk and party and get with girls because they're doing it for Eric Banda because of how badass they were in the movie Munich. Sure. Uh, I think it's more known than the actual movie and the sure, cause itself. Sure. But, but beyond that. Um, I... I thought it was beautifully done. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's still really hard for me to talk about because I think it's just so sad. And I think I've talked about this before. It's not just like solely when like Jewish people are needlessly murdered for no reason. It's when anyone is needlessly murdered for no reason. And, you know, violence begets violence begets violence. But it's just... Steven Spielberg knows what he's doing. I mean, it's a great movie. It, it's a great movie. Eric Bana was palatable for once. And, um... Hello, Samantha. I'm Nero. Yeah, right? Could you imagine? Um, Daniel Craig just having a good-ass time. He just, he just fucking partying. Just doing what he wants to do with that hair. With He took the wig. That's why we didn't have the wig. He was wearing... This movie came out before the, the wig. The wig. Shout out to Steve Rial. Uh, so yeah, so having rewatched it now for, like I said, I believe the third time, I think it is very good. I, it, I don't know if I would go the stretch of great that you did. It's long. Well, no. So it's long and I, I think it's, it's, I think it's a, a good movie. Oh, it was, it's, it's a it's, good movie. Yeah. It's great in the, um, in the technical movie terms. Like I think it's. Um, got a good soundtrack. I, I think oh, it yeah. looks great. I mean, you got John Williams doing John Williams yeah, things, but it's you bizarre. Can see the camera. It's bizarre at a certain point. There are there and are one or two bizarre stretches. The helicopter death, sex. He's gonna come. See, like that scene is notoriously bad. Like I get especially it. as like a no pun intended climax. Right, I get it, but I don't get it at yeah, the same time. That that is. That scene itself will cut a point off of this movie yeah, for me. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I got angry at one point because, and and I think I I read some reviews that kind of agree that some of the ways that they show this revenge mm-hmm. plot, like these revenge killings seemed like gratuitous and like yeah um that it was like killing just for killing and like and then you know you come to find out like some of the people weren't even involved in the Munich massacre but they were just like on a list of people that they wanted to get out right and and 
I think that does a great job of speaking to like some of the problems that a lot of people have with our yeah. world. Um, but and you see the characters grapple with it as well. There's this sure, slow sure. descent into questioning the morality of it all. Like right, there's one right. point when one of the characters like says Mazel Tov to the other after like a successful hit, and like it's almost like a take a back. Like why are we celebrating this? Right. Like it's a birth. You know, like it was because well, then he. Well, so I'm the saying, like, it, it, it was kind of yeah, it was more so like celebrated than you know a, a, a life entering the world than a life being taken. Right, right, and, um, and I think that's a beautiful way to tell the story. But yeah, um, I disagree. I I feel like they made it seem like, especially with kind of like how montagey some of the murders became. Like it was like one after the other after the other. It just made it feel like they were like uncaring and they were initiating the killings rather than doing it for revenge I don't necessarily agree with you know an eye for an eye but I get like the revenge of it and why that was necessary and and all of that but um it it shows it's good it shows the Israelis not in the best light yeah I mean so I, I'm not going to get into politics or religion. That, that is not me at all. I'm going to analyze everything as a movie and as a story. And I, I didn't go in as deep into my normal, like, historical accuracy research for this one because it was kind of, like, hard for me to, like, kind of interpret and understand. I actually have the book that this movie is based off of, Vengeance. Oh, you do? I bought it immediately after the movie came out because I was, I was, like, a freshman... Going you into a sophomore, really expo- exposed to the Jews yet? <laughs> not that, not even close. You didn't where even I was know going some with this. Jews. I had just finished reading *In Cold Blood* uh, when Capote came out, so I was really getting into historical nonfiction. Oh, oh. And I was trying to read again after oh, my reading. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> just kidding. After my reading had been massacred in high school for having to read a bunch of horseshit. Right. I was like, I want to get into fucking reading again, so I read *In Cold Blood* over Christmas break. And um, I was like, oh, what's the next one? I bought Vengeance, and I, I don't think I've ever fucking touched it. But, um, I, I, so I'm not going to, like, pick away at that just because I have a general misunderstanding of how it all went in the first place. Well, uh, the, the movie does a good job. I mean, I mean, that... It's a tale as old as time. The Jews sure. and the Palestinians have we always been fighting <laughs> yes. over land for as long as anyone right. can remember, and I don't know if that will ever cease. It won't. What I was getting to was that usually when we watch a movie that's like Bohemian Rhapsody is an example. We haven't done it for the podcast, but I know I railed on it when we did see it in theaters, was that if it's a story that is as well-known or if it's something that I have a pretty good handle on historically, mm-hmm. I have a certain level of expectation of what is taking with liberty and what is, you know, misconstrued, what have you. And then for that, that that movie is a bastardization. Whereas this, I'm sure there were events that were possibly out of place, things were embellished, things that were hidden, but to a, 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 a plebeian, to somebody that doesn't really know, mm-hmm. to me, everything kind of... Ran pretty well. A I think Things one, one of the a goyim. Yes, I know. I I I was gonna say plebe, but then I used the full word, uh, which still sounds like something religious or offensive. Um, it was one of the rare cases where I, I actually enjoyed the amount of news exposition that we got because, like I said, it showed the scope and the importance of what we were watching. Sure. And yeah. It was, and it was absolutely. It was both a mix of actual classic 
vintage reports and actors intercut with the scenes that were reproduced for the making of the movie. I enjoyed that. Um, there are two or three sequences in this movie that really you can put up with a lot of other classic Spielberg white knuckle thriller moments. Mm -hmm. Um, the, 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 the phone scene is probably the most notorious and, and best in the movie when your fucking heart is in your throat the whole time about them going to kill this innocent little girl is just so well mapped and shot and acted. All of it is just pristine. The same thing with the later bomb scene. Um, and you know, kind of the closest you get to like, and you're not going to get this. Well, you probably do because of how famous it is, but like the saving private Ryan, you know, oh, yeah. Spielberg putting you in the oh, middle yeah, of yeah, something. Yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah, I know who that is. <laughs> it's showing how discombobulated and how, you know, crazy in the moment can be and the fallout of which uh, is really, really well done. But there's a lot of, like, in between that, for a two hour and 40 some minute movie, there is just a lot of, like, talking it's a movie about jewish people what do you expect well i mean very early on we get it very very clear that it's a jewish movie because the jews want receipts yeah um, they want and receipts. i can say that number one because i married one and number two <laughs> because you immediately looked over me and goes those jews want receipts they do. They <laughs> I, was want like, receipts. I was like i just wrote that note down i mean they want the receipts um how are they supposed to do the accounting properly if there's no receipts they can't they can't get reimbursed. So that, in turn, hurts the overall movie to me to go from great to good just because in a two-hour and 46-minute movie, I need those scenes to really matter and mean something. And to me, they didn't. There, there's too much debate. There's too much, like... I'm going to say legalese, but that's not the right word. There's too much talk and shop if that makes sense, about um, Louis and the people that, like, their contact, the French contacts that are giving them information. Like, that, all that is just a big skip for me. A lot of, like, the Eric Bana family stuff was even a big skip for me because... There were way too many Eric Bana sex scenes in this movie. There was two. Yeah, way too many. (laughs) Too, too many. I never need to see that many Eric Bana sex scenes. What do you have against Eric Bana? Fair Hi, Samantha. I'm Nero. <laughs> That's just the one line from Star Trek. Yeah. Didn't we? Wasn't he the LVP? He was. He okay. Was. So he's why not the are LVP you ragging on he's me? He's on my short MVP list for why this movie. Why are you ragging well. on me? I said he was palatable. That's a great compliment for him. I don't know why you're ragging uh, on me when Peter you, Travers didn't write that on the box. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um. I don't agree that he's the MVP, but we'll get into that later. But I just, I mean, I think it's a valuable story to be told. I think Spielberg does a really great job of telling stories that need to be told in a way that people can digest them. Yeah. Um, I just wish that, like, the movie, like, once the killing starts, like, all, like, the violence and, the like, the action scenes are what held my attention more so than these philosophical conversations that rang a little hollow to me okay. because of how many there were. Shh, shh. 
Okay, I can see that, but I think I think we also have to recognize the fact that Spielberg, at a certain point, stopped making movies for the average moviegoer and started making movies for like the higher caliber. Oh, I I one hundred percent disagree with that. He's never stopped making movies for so. For, the, for the mass. I don't think that this movie was made for the masses. I'm not saying it's made for the I, masses, I don't think that this movie was made for the masses I'm because a, I, I don't think that a person can sit for two uh, for two hours and 40 minutes. They and, absolutely can. They 100% can. It just depends on... The, Save for Private Ryan was the number one movie of its year. And it, the only difference between that movie and this is that it... Well, number one, it had Tom Hanks in it, who was like the, one of the biggest stars in the world. Sure. But also, it was just about and World no War Jews. II versus, yeah, World War II about a story that people knew less. Steven Spielberg will always make movies that are accessible to everybody. It just depends on who, on how much he wants that person to think and how much he wants that person to feel. He's always going to make you feel in his movies. Yeah, but okay. Is he going to make you feel That's because fair. it is a, it is an extraterrestrial yeah. that has warmed our hearts and is leaving and touching a child's head or is he making us feel because he's going off of historical things like a D-Day and the Holocaust and the 72 Olympics. He is always by for better or worse hmm. making us more so entertained than thinking. And that leads into another one of my points that I think it gets a little ham-fisted at times with some of its messaging. Um, Like, the end of the movie, like, I didn't need, you know... And again, I I don't know how accurate this is, but... I don't know. I wasn't around in 72. Me either. Uh, Avner and uh, Jeffrey Rush's character, Ephraim, you know, like, they're basically going separate directions. They can't even break bread with each other anymore. And then what do we see, like, framed in the background is the the Twin Towers. A very... It was... Spielberg is meticulous in his framing and his camera work and his messaging and metaphors. And there's no reason that, or there's no way that the Twin Towers are framed dead center in the middle of the shot. Then by accident. By accident. You know what I mean? Um, sure. Yes, absolutely. But the story and the meaning behind it just gets to be a little bit too much. And to your point earlier, it felt like he was trying to toe a line without really making a stand, or at least, at least trying to, uh, emph- like empathize Humanity- yes. with, with like, the plight of everybody. Right, right. Like, but then you do that, and it's just like, well, you're trying right. to make us feel a certain well, way. Well, right, and I mean, I think you can see it right in the very beginning when they're doing the news stories. And you see the Jewish people watching it, and you see the Palestinian people watching yeah. it, and you see the visceral reactions that they have when they're told everyone is dead or these people died. And, like, you do sympathize when you're seeing people crying for their family and loved ones. Of course. Of course you're going to sympathize with that. And and I think that, you know, that telephone scene that you mentioned earlier with the little girl is a perfect example, right? Like, you're freaking out for, like... And you're sympathizing, oh my god, I don't want this little girl, I don't want anything to happen to her. But her, at that point that you're seeing it, you don't know that her father wasn't necessarily involved in the massacre. But then you're like, oh, but now she's gonna, her father killed, needlessly killed 11 people, right? Or did whatever hate crimes. 
and you're kind of sympathizing. You're like, I don't want anything to happen to her. And then it can get to the point where people are like, I, well, now she's going to be fatherless. Like, I don't want anything to happen to him, right? Yeah. And it kind of snowballs. And I think that Spielberg does a... Like you said, he toes the line between, like, empathy and sympathy to an extent where sometimes, you know, you're... You're seeing people in a different light. I mean, he's definitely veering in one direction because well, you, you yes. don't you don't go you don't go as consistently back with the flashbacks about what actually happened throughout the movie in such an odd way. Like those scenes are classic Spielberg, and they're really well done. But beyond Eric Bana nutting out the the seventy two Olympic murders, um, <laughs> like the fact that we see them, I think, at two other periods. Prior to that, is obviously, you know, showing that there was on one side more of an evil that got this kicked off. Yeah. And no matter what you have afterwards between these people that are basically not forced, but they are given the job of carrying out the revenge for an entire country country of mm-hmm. people um and they and they do so pretty viciously and pretty yeah. swiftly and they really none of them are bad people you have you know kind of an innocent toy maker and a yeah. family man and a, a driver and yeah. you know like they're all innocents for lack of a better word and that again is used later on as like almost like kind of almost too mo- horror movie ish. They start getting picked off one by one, where you're left with the two actual movie stars. Yeah. Um, which I necessarily like, but even even in scenes where you see like the worst of them. So I think of uh, Carl is the first one of them that gets killed by that female assassin. Right, who, right, right. Eric Bana's character, like she was going to technically go for him. And at that point, it's like, oh, great, now our protagonist is going to be a cheating piece of shit, and he ends up not being. And it's like, okay, good, I can actually still kind of root for this guy. Sure. And he takes out the other the other individual. But, like, when they take, when they go to her house and, like, and like revenge murder, murder revenge her. Revenge murder her. Right. She's not on the list. Um, that and, was... And Hans, like, purposely, like, leaves her shirt open to, like, so she's, like, exposed to the world. Right, Just right, naked, right. dead. Like, even that stuff, Naked, like, dead, humiliated. Like, yeah, that I didn't like. And those are those are purposeful. I to, know. To show, I but get it. Yeah, but it's too much gray, right? And it's it gets to be gray. a little bit too much because I'm already struggling with what I felt like was a lot of unnecessary conflict onto like whose side some people are on and who's getting set up for one. Right. Then you get the CIA kind of involved. Then yeah, you get the PLO. And all, yeah, and all of those intersections and all of the. It was a lot. A lot it's a of lot layers. to handle, and there's a lot of conflict. Like you have Avner and that Ali guy when they're all sharing like the same safe house, and they have this conversation where nothing gets resolved, and then like the next scene, the silent guy just gets killed anyway because that's this is how things have to go. It just gets to be too much, and I find myself waiting for those big, elaborate, expertly crafted, tense action scenes yeah. as opposed to the stuff that's leading me towards them. When those scenes should have been used 
to help accentuate them. I felt like okay. it was runtime filler versus purposeful. Okay. But that just shows how well those other scenes I was talking about are, where I still consider this to be a good to very good movie. I, I, I would agree with you. Um, did you know anything about like this story prior to this? Not specifics, no. Oh. Just knew that some Israelis got murdered. Oh. I, I thought so. I, I mean, I, I knew, nothing, I knew but, nothing of it. You know. Yeah, but no, I didn't. I didn't know like, like they uh, barged in. They shot everybody. They kidnapped. I didn't know all of that, and that I didn't know about the revenge. Like I knew what happened at the Munich massacre. Yeah. But I didn't know about the whole revenge sure. thing. Um, Something I wish that also got a little bit more time um, was kind of the post-mission paranoia. I think that's where Eric Bana really shines in the movie is, you know, his uncertainty, like getting back into his life and his world yeah. about who's out to get him, whose side can he trust, yeah. coping with what he's done. It, again, it all, for lack of a better term, climax in... What cannot be overstated as, I think, one of the worst sequences and scenes in such a good movie I've ever seen. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, like this movie has the potential of, like, being a Best Picture nominee. And it, I mean, it was a Best Picture well, nominee. Well, yeah, like a legitimate one, but like a mullet. Like, it, it has... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, for us. For yeah. us, being, like... Best no, that, picture. That scene stops. But right no, down but there. and having the worst scene nominee as well. Like I don't. You so know we've had I mean? a lot of bad scenes this year. Um, I have a pretty heavy list already. It, it probably is going to go on my list. So he's back home. His wife has had a baby who he's met like twice. Um, and you don't need to say it like that. He's. You having, are so. Ju- ever since you became a father, you're just like he met it like twice. Yeah. Yeah, I don't care how many fucking Palestinians you have to kill. Go see your kid. That should if I priorities. If everyone had that mindset, the world would be perfect. I know, really. Uh, So he has like very sweaty sex with his wife. Like so sweaty that he like flipped his hair up, and it was like he just took a shower. Like the lens. Yeah, it looks like a fucking Tresemme commercial. (laughs) Like I don't. I, I I was. My jaw, halfway, I, my jaw was dropped. Halfway through the sex scene, somebody just walked in with a pitcher of water and just spilled, spilled it all over I Eric I must Banna. have missed that. And as, like, he's thrusting into his wife, and you only see, like, her, like, barely enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, him, like, having these visions, and you see, like, the ultimate conclusion right. to what we've seen throughout the movie right. of how these Olympians got killed... Because early, like when they're doing the news reports, originally they were thought to have all, uh, two of them survived. And it turns out that no, they did not. They, um, like the German, was it the German? Yeah, it was in Munich, yeah. The German police are stopping the Palestinian terrorists. And as they're starting to go down, the ones that are remaining begin killing off the Israeli Olympians. Mm-hmm. And then there's these explosions and like every, basically everybody fucking dies. So this is being intercut with like, this this fucking dramatic sex scene of a paranoid Eric Bana like reliving and envisioning it and it's just like 
why is this happening? And that's and then, like, more so goes in my hand. When everyone dies and there's like a big fireballs when he's like, oh, 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 like <laughs> Wait, he's coming yeah, I think, at the fireball. I think like, they do time up the fireball I think they do. with Eric Bana ejaculate. I think you don't so. see it, but at that well, point, you see the fireball. Yeah, does Eric Bana have fiery jizz? I'm, I, I let you know. I don't know. Why would I know the answer? To if that? that's the case, then it 100 makes sense as to why Seth Rogen would like channel like his energy. Going after Catherine Honeywell. Um, it's it's just so weird. It's so, again, it's artsy to such a fault. It yeah. does not fit the two hours and 30 minutes we just sat through. I mean, I don't know what you think about when we have sex, but I think about... Oh, you think about Olympic murder? explosion. Yeah. Explosion. I really just think about, like, not necessarily, like, murder, but just, like, any Olympic, like, controversy. Like, the last time we had sex, I was just, like, I was just thinking about hitting Nancy Kerrigan with a wrench the whole time. And next time we have sex, I'll be thinking about that, uh, that figure skating Canada judge. Beat you to it. That was the only other one I knew. <laughs> You're such an asshole. <laughs> How dare you take the only other... Sorry. Um, let's get into performances, shall we? We already talked about Eric Bana a little bit. I said he's on my MVP list. He's not my MVP. I mean, look, I think he... He was fine. It's a pretty restrained performance until... It is. It, the, until the, tail the end. fireball. And then... But... <laughs> even before the fireball, like when he's going to the office and was just like, you you know, you yes, keep out of my family. That very much, like... Yes. So here's my problem with Eric Bana in parts of this movie and why he's ultimately not my MVP is that he has two or three scenes where I can see him in the scene thinking that this is his Oscar clip scene that they show during the ceremony. Like that one when like he's getting carried away out of the office and just like, you've kicked my family out of it. Like, you know, you protect them or whatever. It's just like, motherfucker, I'm sorry. You ain't getting this nomination. Let's look and see who the best actor nominees were that year. Of course, Philip Seymour Hoffman won for Capote. Heath Ledger was nominated for Brokeback Mountain. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other nominees, David, David Strathern from Good Night and Good Luck, which I love that performance. The other two that were nominated that weren't Best Picture nominees were Terrence Howard in Hustle and Flow, which I go on record, I do not like that movie. And I don't like Terrence Howard. I don't like Howard. Terrence Howard either. Yeah, he's yeah. good in that movie, but I just don't like him. Sure. And Joaquin Phoenix in Walk the Line. So yeah, Eric Bana is not getting into that group. Of anything, the only one I could see potentially be Terrence Howard, um, but yeah, he ain't he ain't getting there. Uh, so he's one. My MVP is ultimately Daniel Craig. I think really. So I thought from the moment he's on screen, he is just charismatic as hell. He's the only brief respite of levity in the movie. He's he I. So I think that all of them, like the five, like yeah. um, the five hired hitmen, I guess, were all kind of extremes of the typical personalities of like Judaism that we sure. think of, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Like we love to laugh and have fun, you know. All the like points that. of the star, right? Right. No, yeah. basically, it's yeah. that the star David has six points. You terrible Jew. Yes, a regular star has five points and a star of David has six points. Ah, it's right. basically two triangles. Uh, it's like the baker's dozen of stars. <laughs> no, it's just a star with six points. Fuck you, that's a funny joke. It's Fuck a you. terrible Don't joke. analyze what I'm saying. 
Anyway, go on. No, so, I'm done making no. my point. Thank you. Thank you so much. You were so so. If not Daniel Craig, because he does like I, he he's in the movie for a pretty good amount of time. Yes. And yeah. every time he's in it, I'm very engaged when he's doing, and I think he's a tremendous actor. And I oh, think he's I, tremendous I think he's a this. great actor. But who I, would you say? Um. Papa Michael Lonsdale. Oh. I thought he did a great job. Oh, he's on my LVP list. Is he really? I did not like him. I liked him a lot. Why? Li- What's the, he's only in two or three scenes. What's stood out to you? For I him? just felt like the gravitas he brought, the like I I don't know why. I find it hard to describe. Just like He probably reminds you of somebody that you're thinking of I, in some way and I, that's I think so. it's I resonating think, with you. I think so. I think it's yeah. just like in like in my like, I saw him on the screen, and it just kind of like, I like felt it, like I got him, you know, like I got what he was doing, and like I don't know why, I just felt very calmed by him, like in all this heightened yeah shooting and war and all of this stuff that's happening, and he's just very like, tell me what'd you do? I just really liked how he talked to Eric. I liked, I thought that. He and Eric Bana had good chemistry. I don't think Eric Bana has good chemistry with anybody, but I thought that they had good chemistry, and I just felt like I could, like that's something that I could imagine happening. Not Eric Bana fireballing on his wife to helicopter death scenes, but I could just feel like that scene, like in the in the kitchen, like anything could happen. Anything Louis and Papa was just very boring. I didn't like Louis. No, Louis. Louis is my Louis is my main LVP. I did not. Yeah, I thought. I, I normally like that actor. I wanted to punch him in the face. I normally like that actor, uh, but it was just very boring and meandering, and to me, added nothing to my overall enjoyment of the movie. And and the fact that it ate up to me like a half hour of total runtime was just worthless. Yeah, I just yeah, I mean, I just I I get it. Like I know that that's probably what happened. Like there was like that the the secret contact who like gave him all of the the information and yeah. everything like i get it i just don't know why i think you're 100 percent right like i just it hit a chord in me sure that character and like that performance like the choices that he made mm-hmm. to portray that character and like so is there somebody the, else then because if you if you don't think the it's the metric no... that he said so because I, I i i can't give it to papa and he doesn't feel like you can give it to daniel craig I also like Syrian Hines, who I'm normally not a big Syrian Hines fan. He played Carl. I thought Carl is kind of like the cleaner character. He had a really good, like, almost like you were saying about Papa, like a good subdued energy to him. Yeah, good but, energy. But, but in the group was very expressive. I think was... Well, that's how Jewish people are, man. I know. But was also like, he was the closest I felt to like connecting with somebody and their aims and their ideals and their thoughts and their wants to, like, be involved in it. Same thing with, um, I don't remember the character's name, but the Toymaker character. I also liked him as well. Um, it's just a guy, like, weighing over his head, trying to do the best he can, you know, is not really necessarily, like, succeeding in what he's doing because he's never built a bomb. He normally is dismantle, dismantle them. them. Um, so I like both of those characters as well. My, my ultimate vote would still be Daniel Craig, but I, I, I will go in any of those directions. As well, because I know you're not going to give it to Eric Bana. I'm not going to give it to Papa. So we got to come up with some middle ground here. Um, hmm. 
I thought, yeah, I, I agree. I think that they, I think that those four that you named of the main five did a yeah. good job. And not to say that Hans was bad. Hans just definitely got the least amount to do of anybody. Fuck, he dies off camera just sitting there in the fucking shadows on a park bench just yeah, fucking yeah. stabbed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm ultimately fine with any of them. Um, I'll go whichever direction you kind of want to go, but I, yeah, I, I can't go Papa because he was going to be one of my two oh, main. Oh wow, I can't believe that. He's going to be one of my um, two main LVPs besides who it seems like yeah. we're going to probably go with. I mean, we can we can we can give it to, to Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig. The reason why him above other ones, like I said at the start, was he had two or three moments where he kind of makes you chuckle, like oh, yeah, him like, wanting to dance, him singing in the car, yeah, yeah. him him turning the radio Absolutely. on. And, in, and like going, yeah, and turning it on and then changing it again and, and then finding a station. In those scenes of sure. either celebration or planning or, or very high tension or tension, yes. he was almost the one, like in a stage play, he'd be the one that's moving around, hitting his marks and setting everybody up to do whatever they needed to sure, do. Sure, sure. Um, and you figure this is the movie like, that kind of got him Bond, too. So, yeah, to me, he he crushes it in this. Um, all right, so Daniel Craig, I, I'm pretty sure that's our first MVP for Daniel Craig. I don't think we've really done much else with him. Oh, well, I don't think it'll be his last. Yeah, I don't think it'll be his last either. Yeah, this is his first MVP. Uh, so LVP, I already... I didn't realize he was married to Rachel... Rachel Weiss, yeah. R- Rachel Weiss. Mm-hmm. She used to be married to, I believe, Paul Thomas Anderson. If not mistaken. Or somebody, another famous director. Hmm. I'll find out much quicker than you because I'm better at those things than you are. Oh no, she wasn't married to anybody, but she probably was dating somebody. Yeah, yeah. So you can go. Oh, she was dating Darren Aronofsky. I knew it was one of those fucking directors. Uh, so LVP. I already mentioned that Papa was on my list. I, uh, you know, I I see your points as well as I I saw mine, so it won't be him. Uh, we mentioned Louis, who I think we're probably going to go with. The other two I had written down. I didn't like the actress who played Gold in My Ear. I thought she was going to be more prevalent in the movie. That tells me why I'm not as much. She was just very boring, and I know that she was supposed to be like a big important figure. Like she's what, like the fucking prime minister, right? Mm-hmm. And I just felt like it was a horribly miscasted character. They got to me, somebody who just didn't fit whatsoever. The other person I was going to have a bit of a surprise, I had Jeffrey Rush. I thought he was way too over the top for the character that he was portraying. Like, he literally, like, in his first scene, is set up to be, you know, kind of like the man behind the scene, point guy. And, like, the next time you see him, he's, like, shouting, like, who's the source? And blah, 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 blah. He's meant to be, like, this adversarial leader um, and it just comes across overly abrasive and unnecessarily gruff. I mean, is that him or is that the writing? I think it was his performance, to be perfectly honest, because I I, I didn't get why that character was that way. There was nothing that showed me how to do it, and I think maybe he just dialed it up a little bit too much. Ultimately, though, the guy that plays Louis, every time he he, he just bored me to death. Yeah. There was nothing mysterious about him, and for him to kind of be so crucial to, like, the which side is everybody on of it, and, like, what are his motives, and, like, what is happening, that actor was just flatlining everything to me, and didn't didn't give me anything. 
Yeah, I, 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 I agree with that, and I think that, you know, he's supposed to be kind of, like you said, like mysterious, intimidating, and it just wasn't, you know? It was like, yeah. oh, now we have to go to your papa? Like... Yeah, I mean, he's very well, I mean, he's the main villain in Quantum of Solace. Probably Daniel Craig's the one that got him the job, probably. Uh, he's known for his lead in The Diving Bell and the Butterfly. Like, he's a well-known French actor. But sure. in this one, not it for me. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't super impressed or intimidated by by him yeah. when I felt like I should have been. Yes. Uh, like, if you give that to, like, Christoph Waltz, I'm, like, all in. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. give it to somebody, like, even, like, a Malkovich. Like, somebody that's got, like, some eeriness to him. Sure, sure, yeah. I think it, it helps a lot. But not Absolutely. this fucking guy. Um, Mateo Almerich is the actor's name. He mm-hmm. is the OVP of Glad that wasn't Munich. on the back of the box. God, that was on the back of the fucking box. Um, are there any other... I know, I know you don't want to see any of the movies, but are there any Jewish stories that you know of that have not had movies made of them that you feel like... They should, or uh, you There's would. There's too many. Like, uh, no, and and I mean I don't. Are there any happy Jewish stories I can? Well, I can tell. There are no. <laughs> Why do you think we're Jewish? Our lives Man, are full of I just, misery. I just want like the Jewish version of like fucking kid and plays house party. No, I mean, like, <laughs> I well, like we try Who's to. the Jewish kid and play? Well, so, and I think it really all just depends on the story and the angle that they want to take on the story because Fiddler on the Roof is probably one of the most well-known Jewish stories and it's got so much happiness and joy in it but at the heart of it is the most heartbreaking story and it's about, you know, the Jews being thrown out of their home just because they're Jewish, right? And, like, a family falling apart. Like, it's a beautiful story. It's one of my favorites, but... You know, I, I feel like that's a lot of what we go through as the Jewish people is, you know, there's a lot of sadness. There's a lot of trial and tribulation. I'm not saying others don't have that. I just can't speak to them as well as I could speak to the story of the Jews because that's what I was raised on, sure. you know, like story of Passover. It's like it's an awful story and we have a celebration for it we honor the past and we remember but we have a celebration where we are singing songs around a table and drinking bottles of wine and you know so so i think we do our best to toe the line between remembering what happened trying to make sure it doesn't happen again and you know being grateful that we're here and able to celebrate together um, as family. Um, that's really, to me, what the Jewish holidays are about. You know, remembrance, but also, um, you know, sharing the stories and hoping that we'll have happier ones to tell. Um, but I'm not some, the expert. <laughs> I think there's something to that Jewish kid and play house party idea. We should We should look at that. Okay. Just like a big, stupid, R-rated Jew comedy. I guess it's basically every Seth Rogen movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. yeah it's but super it, bad. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, <laughs> so, Seth Rogen's corner of the market, yeah, unfortunately. Well, <laughs> shit. We haven't seen that that other movie, um, the Hanukkah movie. 
Or the movie where they're wearing the Christmas sweaters. The night before. The night before. Was going to be, depending on what we were doing, other was yeah. going to be one of the two movies I was re- referencing. Yeah. Potentially do for Christmas. We've never seen it before. Right, right, is, right. But I'm like, that. that's the that's, another. That's not a Hanukkah movie. He just wears a yarmulke. Uh, he wears a, a fucking yarmulke. menorah. He wears a menorah sweater. Yeah. Menorah sweater, Barry Windham. Anything else on Munich? No, I don't think so. Score time. I don't remember who's supposed to go first for. I th- I don't. Pick I them don't off. I, I mean, I have my score, so I'll say it. Um, like I said, good. In many many parts, veers into very good with the potential to be great. Spielberg is of course an amazing director, as you said. Score is good. Direction is good for the most part. I gotta take one overall point off for that fucking ridiculous scene. Well, because I was I was waffling between two scores and ultimately gonna go with this score instead because I feel the movie could go a point above this. I'm more so leaning towards half under. I'll go with this one instead. I'm gonna give it a seven and a half. Shut up. Seven and a half. Seven and a half. How are we so on point? I hate it. I hate it so much. But I love it. I feel like we've had like the best podcast of the podcast. All right. So Munich in the Look books. Look being in tune. And I just want to point out that we watched this movie on November 9th. We watched the entire movie on November 9th. And Samantha did not fall asleep in this movie on November 9th. I looked over at you probably 20 times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that you missed a lot of the movie because you were so distracted by me actually being awake. But I don't think there, I've fallen asleep in a Jewish movie before. I don't think that's fair to say. Yeah, because if, like if you do, if you do in the dream you're having, your answers are going to beat the fuck out right, of right, you. Right, right, right. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> know what we had to do to get you here? Exactly. All right, so time to do our fourth random number generator for the can't pick list. So we have 108 movies on the list. Let's do the random number generator, and it comes up with... What are we hoping for here? Number one. Oh. The Life Aquatic with no! The longest movie that's been on this list. The first ever movie you did not pick. For good reason. My favorite Wes Anderson movie. Great. Uh, which is appropriate because French Dispatch came out just a couple months ago. We have not seen. Uh, yeah. Man, how's that happen? That's crazy. I think that you cheated. No, I, I hit generate and it said result one. I'll just show you. Generate, it's going to come up with a different number. See? That's what happened. You, you watched me do it. You watched me do I'm it. I'm going to do it from now on. No, you're not doing shit. The Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou will be coming Man. up here in. Ugh. Well, we'll have that'll be a big difference in January. Yeah, great. So our first movie of 2022 is going to be the movie that's going to be nominated for biggest discrepancy. I'm. G- I'm when sure. When we watch this movie, just please watch it. Pay attention. I'm gonna we'll, fall asleep. I will throw something at you. Are there Jewish people in it? Of course there are. Is it about Jewish Jeff people? Jeff Goldblum. Is it about Jewish people? No. Does, so then I'm not interested. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just trying to push your buttons. I don't do that enough. I'm an elevator. What are these big gulps of water you're taking? Jesus Christ. No wonder you don't like Steve Zazoo because he's out thirsty. chasing you as the fucking animal underwater gargling. I'm thirsty. 
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Marriage Movies. We encourage you, as always, go to arcadeaudio.net for this podcast and the others on our network of shows. Rate, review, and subscribe every year. Podcast, patreon.com slash arcadeaudio for bonus content. Like, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the, the brief recording I did with Tony after we did his episode several months ago. And be on the lookout for the podcast we teased we were going to do with Matt and Carly last week. Thanks again to them as our guest stars. Also, like I mentioned earlier on the show, arcadeaudio.net slash podbloggle for my Retro Wrestling Diary. I'm in the year 1995, and I just watched You're Bash. You're still in the year 1995. Bash the Beach 1995 today. It was a, sh- a wrestling show on a beach. What? That was a, that, that's actually the reason why I was in a bad mood today, because that show is just not very good. How many shows are in 1995, and why are all of them bad? Because it's a bad time for wrestling. 96 will be better. Wasn't the 95 Rumble good? No, 1995 Rumble is the, maybe the worst. the worst Rumble ever, yeah. And 96 is, the, is good. The, the 95 Royal Rumble event is actually a good show. The Rumble is one of the worst parts of right, it. Right, 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 right. But the, okay, I got you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Facebook.com slash Married with Movies at Married W Movies on Twitter, Married with Movies at gmail.com. For me, at your host, Mom38 on Instagram, Samantha. At Jam with your Sam. Still hasn't tweeted a goddamn, or Instagrammed a goddamn thing. Yes, I have. I just posted a picture of you like two days ago. Oh, right. That's good. Yeah, well, then never mind. Yeah, follow her. I'm a handsome motherfucker and I'm with my daughter. It's a good picture. You're a fucking douchebag. Don't pay attention. <laughs> what the fuck is that? Oh, I hearted it. I did. Oh, it's a great picture of us. Yeah, it's a great picture. That's why I put it on there. Mm-hmm. Love that picture. I'm going to fucking delete it now. No. Yeah, I'm going to delete. I'm going to cut. I'm going to put my face on top no, of your I face. No, my Facebook. I need to do my profile picture. I'm going to put so my good. face on top of your face instead. Don't put your face on top of my face. Yeah, so I'm going to do. I'm going to put my face on there. People are going to be like, what's wrong with you? Why... Why are you so disproportionate? They're gonna be like, why is there a little person version of you on the same photo? Yeah, it's the face swap. Like, face off. I want to watch face off. Do we own it? I'm pretty sure we own face oh, off. Oh, man, why do we own face off? Face off's great. Travolta, Cage, faces. <laughs> Fair mullet. This is mullet. Signing out for this week's episode of Married with Movies. We'll catch you next time on our couch. Slash the movies. I should do face off with the Israels, the Israels and the Palestinians. Israelis. Israelis. I got to write every other time. <laughs> the Israels. That's, that's a shitty UPN sitcom from 2002. God that God. was very offensive, probably. Definitely. It was on after the mullets. Thank you for playing Arcade Audio. Play more at ArcadeAudio.net.